You're listening to the Coach T Podcast, hosted by my dad. Welcome to another edition of the Coach T Podcast. I am Isaiah Thomas, the host, and I love bringing great coaches in to talk about philosophy and just talk about the great sport of wrestling. I got another great coach for you here, Mr. Skyler Lay. Coach, how are you doing today? Doing well, Coach Thomas. Thank you so much for having me today. Yes. Skyler is the head coach at Frankie Muth, Go Eagles. I can say that a little bit. That's I right. did teach at Bridgeport for a hot second, but most of your the, the majority of your kids were very nice. So I like Frankie Muth. Good place. Good place to shop and, and go down to the old Bavarian and Zenders and all that good stuff. I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Coach Lane and I go kind of way back. I actually remember him competing. So you graduated, what, 2015 or 2014? 2014 yep 2014 so actually we the first time i saw uh coach lay he was uh wrestling for caro which is a traditional power uh for his dad uh, steve there and we actually wrestled you guys opening night at bay city central um our 2014 team that ended up uh making it to team states that year and um all i could hear about is man that guy lay is tough and when you watch him i mean he just brutal is probably the best way to describe your wrestling style because you were just so physical and and mean and then the carol cradle got to watch out for that but um so over time yeah you graduate and then he he started getting into the coaching a little bit so i'll i won't tell the rest of your story but i just want to let viewers know how we met and all that good stuff no i i appreciate it coach yeah i know uh, I did kind of hear that too. And I kind of felt that, you know, I was a little bit of a meaner wrestler and, and, uh, especially in my first two years, my freshman, sophomore year, I was really big into riding legs and throwing those boots in. But <laughs> as I got older, it was like more of the cradle, you know, I wanted to find a way to get to the cradle. And, uh, as you learn, and I tell my kids all the time, so many different ways to get to the cradle. And, uh, I just want them to start understanding that and using that more. And, and they have been so, but yeah, I've been wrestling since I was four years old. Um, my dad was, uh, you know, a 30 year coach over at, uh, Carroll high school and they've had great success over the years. Uh, I think, uh, well over 90 state placers, uh, wow. for my dad and, um, you know, a lot of state titles can't think of the exact number right now, but, um, and then we had like 27 district titles in a row after it was all said and done. And uh, so he, he just did a great job building up that program. I have a lot of respect for that man. I love that man. Um, he's been my role model. Um, he wasn't always the easiest for everyone to work with. <laughs> but uh, seed meetings, back. man. Seed, seed meetings with Steve Lay. Fantastic. Yeah, they're the toughest. I was actually in a lot of those when I was younger. Um, he, you know, he's like, just be quiet. And, uh, okay. So I, I just sit there and I'd watch him go, but, uh, you know, in the reason he was so tough was because ultimately it comes back to how much he cared about the kids. Right. And, um, and he thought that they needed to have a fair shake going into a tournament. And, um, if he felt like they deserved a higher seed, he was going to fight for it. And I think that's a lot of the reason why he had the success that he did was he truly believed in his kids, even if other coaches didn't think, um, that, you know, he deserved that first seed, let's say, you know, my dad was going to fight every step of the way to get him that first seed, if, even if he didn't get it at the end with the vote, um, because that's truly what he believed. And then that kid, a lot of times would end up overperforming and proving all those coaches wrong. Right. Um, and that just comes back to how much confidence and faith that my dad had in his wrestlers. Um, and they can kind of like really adopt that. A lot of my dad's style was like a mind game, right? 
-hmm. So like he'd want to kind of build everyone up in the room, um, but also, you know, tell him things that he believed. So I shattered my elbow when I was like, so I've been wrestling since I was four and I had a lot of years there when, where I didn't win a lot and I didn't really start putting it together until seventh and eighth grade. And, um, I was able to win the conference tournament, my eighth grade year. And then the next day I shattered my elbow oh. and, um, yeah, I just, there was like one spot of ice. It's not even a fun story, right? Like I don't have anything cool. Like I wasn't wrestling and then I heard it, you know, no, I was walking in the parking lot, found a patch of ice, slipped on it, fell on my elbow and shattered it in four different spots and broke my humerus bone up into the side. Um, just this very traumatic thing. My arm was like a rope. You know, I had to get 27 screws get put into it um, and then two giant screws and then four plates in total. So it was a huge major surgery. Right. And um, they didn't know um, what capability I'd have with my arm afterwards. And so the whole time I, I was fine when I shattered my elbow and I was holding it and I could kind of like it was gross. You could like feel the bones and stuff, but it, <laughs> that didn't bother me. I, I was good with that. I didn't cry or nothing until I got to the hospital and the doctor said, you might never be able to wrestle again. And I just broke down in tears. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I finally got that fixed up and it was a long road to recovery. But mm -hmm. when I talk about things that my dad would say, my, my coach, it would say to, uh, you know, the kids, um, he, he used the same method on me. So after I got my surgery done, I, I never got my full range back. And I was so worried about it affecting my wrestling. And he's like, you know, I think that's actually going to make your cradle tighter, you know? And so <laughs> he would just say things that maybe he didn't believe, or maybe he did believe, but if it was going to build the kid up and make them think like better or higher of themselves, he would say mm -hmm. it. Right. And uh, I think that played a big difference with just my overall mindset. And I, I know I did uh, for a lot of other guys. And, and the reason why I really wanted to get into coaching is not to, you know, me or my dad in any way, because I think we're very different with our coaching styles. But um, I really just appreciate everything that he was able to do for kids. There was grown men that would come to my dad and and they would just break down in tears and thank him so much for all that, you know, he did for them. And it really changed their lives, they would say. And, um, you know, I just thought that was so powerful, you know, to have, you know, grown men come back after all these years and, and thank my dad for making them you know, or helping them become who they are today. Um, and I wanted everything to do with that because I felt like that was like how you can make the biggest difference in the world. And the fact that I love wrestling and I love coaching. Um, if I can use that as an avenue to, you know, help these kids, um, you know, get their life, you know, either on track or stay in the track, um, then I'm definitely going to use it, you know? So, um, I love coaching and, but, uh, yeah, I'm trying to get, I'm kind of getting a little off track here, but yeah. So, <laughs> No, no, it's a, uh, it's great. Um, a uh, lot of positive memories of being around your dad and being in those team meetings, a very powerful guy. I was just thinking my, my one introduction to Carol, there's this guy, you might've heard of him. His name's Wim Mahalik. I uh, know. Um, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> he was a pretty good wrestler back in his day. I believe he was a two-time state champion Yep. Um, yep. at Carol and then went on to central as a three-time All-American and national finalist. I was actually his first college match at the no Eastern Michigan Open in 2003. True story. And like most matches of his opponents, Wynn whooped my butt. He was very, very tough. Took Cross me down face? through in the legs. And, oh, okay. Uh, but uh, And, and Wynn's a 
phenomenal guy. I talked to him uh, last year at one of our like coaching things um, before he left for Campbell and just a really awesome guy and kind of a, I would say a tribute to growing up in that and Carol and being around uh, coaches like your dad and Bob, uh, how do you pronounce Bob's last name? Oh, good question. Uh, Serrani. Serrani. There we yep. go. Yeah. Cause I can't, I can't, can't they're kind of steve and bob are kind of the you know they, you can't separate the two you know? no you cannot <laughs> they're um, all co and co-coaches you know they were yes. they, they had to do it together mm-hmm. but yeah keep yeah sorry didn't mean to cut you off there no 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 but uh that was my kind of my introduction to carol and just just uh when we started going to freeland and just kind of prepping for that cradle and which is very hard to prep for yeah uh, but but i digress that's my that's my key of, of carol so Graduating in 2014, what did you do after that before you got into coaching? What was your uh, path? Um, yeah, so I, I think I just kind of came right into coaching. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, so after high school, I, I started working. Uh, I was actually in the Bavarian River Place there in Frankmuth, uh, working at this coffee shop in there. And and, uh, and I was helping out Caro, you know, quite a bit for wrestling still because, you know, once you're in wrestling, you, there's no getting out. And I think Wynn kind of had that same – you know, mentality, you know, where now he's over at Camp Bell coaching with Scotty Sentez, and that's just fantastic. Yeah. Wins a great guy, stand-up guy, one of the most intelligent guys you'll ever talk to. And that's just come, coming back to that real quick. That's so funny that I, you were his first college match. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, but yeah, he's he's fantastic. He taught me how to do the crossface cradle, really. I mean, watching him do it was like what really made it all click and come together for me. But uh um yeah, so after high school, I was working in River Place there, helping out over at Caro, and uh, I decided that I wanted to get a different look for things, and I wanted to go and do something else. So I ended up uh, moving down to Hawaii in Kailua Kona, Hawaii, there on the Big Island. Okay. And um, started working at Four Seasons Resort down there, um, number one grossing resort in the world. So tons of high clientele coming in and out um and there's just like you know certain ways and tons of training that you have to like go through and certain ways you have to talk to those people and things like that that um was really cool for me to you know kind of be exposed to and and to see that different level um because we don't even have a four seasons in 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 michigan because Mm -hmm. the money's just not here i think the closest four seasons is in chicago but i really enjoyed working for them um and i learned a lot about business through them and it's still, you know, at the end of the day, I loved it, but I just wanted more. And so I got into wrestling. Um, I went up to Kealakehe High School there in uh, Kona, Hawaii, and I talked to the head coach. I just said, hey, I love wrestling. <laughs> you know, um, is, do you need any help up here by chance? I'd love to help you out. It's not a problem at all. And so I volunteered my time and, and started helping out over at Kealakehe High School. Um, as much as I could. And uh, they ended up being, you know, they were the best program on the island, the big island. And uh, mm. I think there's only like 10 programs on the island anyway. And, uh, but they were fantastic. They, uh, they were all judo throws. I, the one thing I found out about Hawaii is they were all into judo and uh, every match trying to do these crazy throws. And so I was able to kind of take a different approach and like, kind of like really show them and, and not that they didn't know these things, but I was able to like, kind of show them certain ways. Like we would lock up the cradle and the Gonzalez arm and things like that. And uh, it was kind of cool to see, like there's a culture with wrestling, you know, I find. And like, so when you watch the Russians, the Russians wrestle different than the Americans and the Iranians wrestle different than, you know, the Russians. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's like the same way here 
Um, you know, it, the Texans wrestle a lot different than the Michiganders do. And so right. the Hawaiians have like their own style and it's kind of hard to see, but um, if you know wrestling, you know, you can kind of see that change in, in how the, the styles are. And so to see them kind of adapt a little bit of the Michigan style was kind of cool, but I really enjoyed my time down there and they were just fantastic. And um, it, it was just a lot of fun. So thankful for my experience and time down there. And then when I came back, um, moved back to Saginaw, had the same itch where I just could not leave wrestling behind. I, you know, I just really enjoyed it and coaching. It was my favorite thing to do. And so I went over to Heritage High School and I was like, because I lived right next door there in those apartments. Um, and I was like, hey, you guys need some help up here? I'd love to help out. And John Mansfield was like, yeah, come on, you know. And so the next day, you know, I, I came up there with my shoes on and started helping out with the heritage program. And I was there for the end, all the way to the end of that season. Mm -hmm. And I came back the next year, volunteered again for the whole season. And, uh, they, they just said like, no, like you can't be a volunteer. You, you put too much time in. So they were able to take me on and, and have me as an assistant coach. And I was very thankful for that. And the time that I got to spend over there, I think, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if we want to talk about like the roles, um, of both. Like, I mean, I, as an assistant coach, I find that I really played a role, you know, supporting the head coach's plan for the program. And if, if you're not there to support the head coach's plan for the program, um, it's not going to work, you know? Um, is that something that you would kind of agree with as well? Oh, guaranteed. I, it, it's funny. You mentioned I had a previous podcast, uh, where we were talking about how, uh, I, I talked about a situation where that 2014 season again, uh, Steve, Coach Goss, uh, we had an athlete that after losing a match in one of our quads refused to wrestle the next match. And he told him basically like, if you don't wrestle the next match, you're not going to wrestle at conference meet. And this is a kid that was a three-time conference runner up for us. So um, right. I remember talking to Steve along with the other, like we should just kick him off the team. He's just a distraction. And, and Steve's playing said, no, we're not going to, he will, once this happens, he will change and he'll become a better teammate. And that's what he ended up doing. He didn't wrestle at conference. He was the best teammate, was one of the key cogs in us making it there and supporting. Because once the coach makes that decision, like it's over. Like I, I have no say. I'm not the head coach. I'm the assistant coach. But supporting yeah. him in that decision and it, and it paid off. And there's a lot of things like that. But, yeah, the assistant coach has to be promoting the head coach's vision. You still have to have room for dialogue to discuss things but once the head coach makes that decision it's done yep no i i totally agree with you and uh it, it needs to be that way otherwise you're just holding the whole program back and so you got to definitely buy in um to like if, if like for those young coaches out there who are thinking about getting into it um if you want to start off as an assistant coach you got to make sure that you really buy in to what the head coach is selling right if you don't believe in your head coach then whatever you want to do isn't going to happen there. You know, you need to be on the same wavelength as your head coach. And um, I was thankful for, uh, you know, pretty much my whole time at Heritage, we were on the same page. Um, and I think Mansfield is, you know, just a, a great coach. You know, he's doing it like the best he could over there. And I don't think he's there anymore. I'm not sure who exactly took over. Can't think of the name. Mm -hmm. um, do you know off the top of your head or, or not? No, no, not yeah. off the top of my head. Um because I want to say John stepped down probably about the same time I did. Yeah, he stepped down the same year. Yeah. Um, and John's a phenomenal uh, – I think he's originally from the South, so he's got a little accent there. And, Missouri. Uh, Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, John always made seed meetings fun too, but a uh, great guy, all about the kids, and he's an educator also. I believe he teaches in Hemlock. Yeah, um, yep, so, gym teacher out there. Yeah, so it's always nice to have. Um, we talk all the time about some of the coaches I've interviewed have been teachers, and we kind of just talk about how, like, when you're in the school, the impact that you can have being there day to day. You spend more time with those kids than they spend with their own families. So especially when you're in the school, it's like literally five, you spend 40 hours a week with those kids. So totally uh, stuff there. So you go from heritage. What made you fly, fly, fly? It seems like you have a bird theme here right now with the uh, (laughs) going from, you went from the Carol Tigers to the heritage Hawks and now the Frankenmuth Eagles. Yeah. Well, Hey, I got to correct you. I went from the Carol Tigers to the Kealakehe wave riders oh there we go <laughs> then <laughs> to the heritage Hawks, and then um and, and now i'm at the frank with eagles but yeah the way that that kind of came to uh fruition was uh uh you know i as much as i loved heritage you know i really wanted to step into the head coaching scene um mm-hmm. so i could kind of like maintain and um work my own program um you know in in a way that you know i wanted to, to work it, you know, um, I feel like, I, I felt like at that point I had enough experience where I've seen some, you know, really great coaches and, um, you know, I've seen, you know, right ways to do things. I've seen what I thought to be, you know, my perspective, you know, wrong ways to do things. And I wanted to kind of do things my way. And, um, as much as I, you know, loved coaching at heritage and appreciated, uh, you know, John and, and the coach that he was, cause he was fantastic. It was hard for me to leave there. Um, you know, I'm really thankful to be able to, you know, coach now and, and be a head coach. Uh, but the way that kind of happened was I went down to the state tournament and, uh, you know, as I do every year, um, I've only missed like two since I was four, I think, but, uh, <laughs> went down to the state tournament and, um, I was watching wrestling and then I saw Connor Roach and, uh, and Chris Roach. And I, I wrestled with Chris Roach in the past, um, cause he kind of graduated not too long after I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and Connor was there. And so they, they, they were like, Hey, because they, at that point they were trying to find a coach because they knew that their coach was going to be moving out. Um, mm-hmm. and they needed to find someone for the Frankenmuth wrestling program. And that's kind of like one of the things that's, that's just the first thing right there that kind of showed me that Connor was a true captain because, you know, he kind of took it upon himself to, to help that program. And he wanted to help that program from the very first interaction that I ever had with him because he was trying to do it in that interaction. Um, but yeah, they kind of came right up to me, approached me during the finals and, um, they said, Hey, you should coach at Frankmuth. And, uh, I was like, okay, well, that's one way to start a conversation. (laughs) Um, and I was like, okay, okay. Well, I'm, I'm living in Saginaw right now and I'm coaching over at heritage, but like, what do you mean coach at Frankmuth? I haven't seen anything about Frankmuth and, they're like, well, we think there's probably going to be a position opening, and so you should look into it. And and so I did. And one thing led to another, and um, you know, I was able to get the job. And uh, you know, since I've been there, I, I just honestly I couldn't be more thankful for this community. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a community that supports sports and supports kids, and there's really nothing like it. Um, the best way I can just, I mean, and I'm, I know Frank Muth like. I can't describe it any other way, but Frank Muth is just a diamond in the rough, right? Mm-hmm. Where, um, you know, some schools you deal with like parents that maybe aren't involved as much as you'd like them to be, but at, at Frank Muth, they are just so involved and they want to help in any way that they can. And I've never had any sort of like 
problem with getting someone to help. You know, they're all right. involved. They're all in. They see that the program is changing around because I think the year before I took over at Frankenmuth, um, I think they were 0 and 26 or 0 and 24, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the year, they only had about five wrestlers on their bench. Um, and so they had a tough go at things. And then when I was able to, you know, kind of get in there and um, kind of bring a lot of the same, uh, you know, structure that, you know, my dad used and, and that I've used as, you know, an assistant coach um, to them. I think that the, the, the team really started to turn around and we ended up going 11 and 11 that year. The, the big first thing that I wanted to do once I get, got into Frankenmuth was I wanted to shake the schedule up a little bit mm -hmm. um, rather than seeing all the same teams that you normally see. Right. Uh, our first competition, we went down to Clinton. And wrestled against Casey Randolph down there. Oh man, the state champ back to yeah. back. Yeah, we, and uh, they are definitely, um, you know, earning of that. They are definite state champs, and I, you know, I, I've seen what Casey has done with that program, and he's a great guy. And I use a lot of the same, uh, you know, things that he's preached in my practice room too. Um, but you know, I've seen like how he grew that program, and it's like, man, that is just you know something we want to mirror, or you know, mm -hmm. something we want to shoot for. And so I wanted our guys to experience um, the best in the state uh, right off the bat so they can see what our new team goal is, you know. And, um, you know, that was the big thing on the, on the ride home. You know, I, on the ride down, I told them it was going to – I made sure I wasn't – you know, I didn't lie to them. I didn't say that they were going to defeat Clinton. Um, but I made sure that they knew, like, this was going to be a tough duel, you know. And, um, and we're going to, you know, get our bells rung a couple matches. But we go out and we put our best foot forward and give it all we got and realize that that is the goal. You know, we want to get that good or better and that can be us. And so that's the thing that they need to know is that, you know, why not us, right? Why can't we be the top program in the state? And what, you know, so that's kind of our goal and the, the kind of mentality that we use. And, um, you know, just to kind of go back and touch on Casey Randolph, one of the big things that he states all the time is, uh, you know, we, he he always says, we build people up here. You know, we build people up here. I love that saying. And um, in our practice room, I, I feel the same way. You know, we're always just building kids up, you know, throwing positive encouragement at them. Um, we might need to say, you know, this is how you do the move. You know, if they do it wrong, you know, this is you got to make sure that you're doing this and this. And then when right. they do it, good, you know. And um, I, I just think building, you know, kids up is the most important and most effective way to get all that you can out of an athlete because uh, you know when i was a captain at caro there was also like you know there were there was different types of captains over the years and i've been watching carol wrestling since i was four and mm -hmm. so you know you there's always there's either the captain that leads with positivity and encouragement um and then there's also the captain that kind of wants to be like the alpha you know and mm -hmm. um boss kids around and kind of have like that scene i'm a senior you're a freshman mentality and, um, I didn't like that personally. Um, I felt like the kids really respected the guy who was building them up and right. I feel like they responded better to the captain that was building them up. And, um, so I kind of try to use that same mentality, you know, I never tear a kid down, never use negative reinforcement. You know, it's really just positive reinforcement. There's this one, uh, psychological, uh, video that I watched on, uh, and I believe just YouTube, I think my work showed it one day, but it really resonated with me. They had this, uh, they would blindfold people and then they'd have them shoot, they'd have them shoot basketballs. 
<laughs> um, and then they would just build them up. They would say, great job, great job, even if they weren't making it, you know? Mm-hmm. And the, when the, the people that um, they were building up would make more baskets than the people that they were tearing down. So they, you know, have one person step out there with a blindfold on and they'd shoot 10 baskets and they just have people yelling positive things. And then they'd have that same person come out and the, the crowd would be yelling negative things like, oh my gosh, you're horrible. You're horrible. And um, the disparage, like the, the difference, you know, like I think she made like five baskets blindfolded when they were yelling encouraging things. And she made like one when they were being super negative. And that th- same trend happened over and over and over again, where they always made more baskets when they were hearing the positive crowd rather than the negative crowd. Right. And um, that's why I just really believe in positive reinforcement. I mean, is that kind of like how you think of your practice room too, with a lot of positivity? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, I learned from my, so I, my head coaching career versus assist coach to everything. My first year as a head coach, I was a lot more negative than I was positive because I looked at where the program was and where I wanted us to be. And I really stepped out of my, comfort zone so to speak to be this you know we lost a duel my first year to midland who we hadn't lost to in a long time and we had some circumstances here and there but midland beat us okay but our our guys didn't wrestle as well as they could have or should have to at least to, to win the duel and i remember just chewing them out and then the next day in practice just really grinding them to a to a, to a fine powder basically well after that first year i said you know what that's not you Like you have to be the guy or the coach that when things get bad, you have to be the calming force. So if you had to do all over again, instead of reaming them saying, Hey, sometimes it's just not our night. We didn't wrestle very well and it is what it is, but we'll come to practice tomorrow and we're going to get better. And that's really where it comes down to uh, the positive reinforcement. I say, so yeah, I, I try to be as positive as possible, whether it's my, my high level guys or my, or my guys that have barely any experience, because I feel like they respond better to positive comments. Cause I remember wrestling in high school. Um, the majority of my coach, the one I think about the most is Mark Jinks, who was my high school coach my last two years, but all those things were always positive, no matter what. Uh, and he always had a game plan, like, uh, you know, make to the podium, you're going to advance and, and uh, you get out of it, which put into it. And he was just always just, he was the calming force. So I think as coaches, we have to be the positive calming force in a sea of chaos. Now, granted, we can get upset. We can get frustrated and say things that we probably, but, but at the end of the day, we, we need to be that force to bring them back because the, when you lose a match, I don't care what level it is, you lose a match. It's very difficult. But totally. if I keep responding about, man, you lost this match and this is what you did, they're going to shut you down. You have to kind of move on from that match and maybe take some things like, hey, in this match, let's work on getting to our attacks or let's work to getting to our feet, things like that. Focus on the thing, the controllables, so to speak. Um, Effort-based versus results-based, which I think that's been a bigger shift in mindset probably the last 10 or 15 years is focusing on the effort versus the results. Because wins and losses, kind of like Matt Bishop was talking about in one of the podcasts about surrendering the outcome, like you really, if you do good things in the match, you're probably going to win. Let's just say that, but you might not, but that doesn't yeah. mean that your effort isn't great. I've seen a lot of kids wrestle at the state finals, give their best effort and lose, yep. but they can walk away with their head held high knowing that they did everything they could to try and win. I think that's a really great point, um, coach. And, and uh, you know, the, the big thing that I think a lot of coaches can struggle with is, Understanding that no kid wants to lose when they step out on the mat, right? Right. 
And so, like, when you get mad at them, like, they're already mad at themselves, mm-hmm. usually. Um, there's some times where that's not the case, and you got to kind of, like, pick those moments, you know. But, um, you know, most of the time, kids are not going out there to lose, right? They're going right. out there to win, and then they, they have a tough match, and they lose. And so you blowing up on them is not going to do anything for them. you got to be that calming presence there um, and, you know, that, that building up, uh, you know, factor for them you got to build them up you got to be that presence there for them you got to be that shoulder to cry on sometimes or that person to hug um after a tough loss and uh you know i tell my guys all the time um i am not going to be mad if you lose you know the only way i'm going to be mad is if you don't give it your best effort and the thing is i've been around this sport long enough to where i know when you don't give it your best effort when you go out there Mm -hmm. and um and uh, I can tell when you're not wrestling yourself or, or uh, you know, wrestling the best of your ability. And um, so, I mean, you just got to have confidence in yourself. And I think that's what a lot of kids struggle with, too, um, is confidence. Because this sport, um, just like many sports, they're so mental. But this sport, even more so, I would say even 80 to 95% mental. Because mm-hmm. when you go out there, it's all just a mind game. My first year at Frankenmuth, there was this kid who would hit a fireman's beautifully in the practice room. It was gorgeous. One of the best firemen's you'd ever see. Right. Mm. And, uh, he'd get into a match and you could see him grabbing the armpit and then like, kind of like gesturing towards the fireman's like he really wanted <laughs> it, but he could, he just wouldn't take it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, it, I, I watched that happen once, or maybe it was the same, the first match. I can't remember, but basically I watched that happen a couple of times and I was just like, no, this is not going to happen. Like, so I just started yelling like, do it, do it, do it. Like my dad's like old thing, you know, that's kind of like the phrase he's known for is like, do it. Right. Um, minus the air when the guy's on his back. I remember that. When yeah. You guys put it the- <laughs> minus the just, so we don't get, you know, copyrighted or anything. Um, no, no, just do it in there. Uh, but yeah, no. So I, I, I see him out there like struggling with like really committing, you know, and being confident in the abilities that I know will work for him. Right. And, um, and I know that he's going to know that they work for him after he does it a couple of times. And so I was just like, yeah, do it, do it, do it. And even during, even though the kid could hear me, the other, his opponent, I was like, hit the firemen's, hit the firemen's, hit the firemen's, hit the firemen's. I kept yelling it. And he eventually just pulled the trigger on this beautiful fireman's, <laughs> put this kid right to his back, ended up winning the match. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was one of the first, like, you know, wins that he actually had wrestled and, um, and it just totally changed his like demeanor, you know, and there was a couple, there's been a couple of times since where he's kind of just looking for it, but not pulling the trigger. And, and, you know, I had to be like, come on, like do it. And then, but now there's no problem at all. Like he, he's just totally confident in his abilities and he's adding new moves to his arsenal. And, and I think that's really just the biggest thing because when you see a kid grow like that in wrestling, they're not just yeah. growing in wrestling. They're mm-hmm. growing as people too, because, right. you know, he didn't believe in that move which means that he didn't believe in himself. Right. And so the moment that he realized like, Oh my gosh, like I can do this. You know, I got to believe in myself more. Um, it, just his whole demeanor as a person uh, and as a young man changed and uh, he's become more confident and, and he's becoming a leader right in front of my eyes. And it's, it's really cool to see things like that. And that's, I think really the reason we all do it in the end is to see these kids mm-hmm. grow um, and become better young men. Um, you know, I don't care if you're the, the best guy or the worst guy in the team, I'm going to fight for you the same way, mm-hmm. um, to be on the roster, um, to be a part of the team. 
Um, and I'm going to, you know, coach you the same amount and, um, and you're going to get treated the same way too. I mean, if I'm not going to let the best guy in the team get away with some things that I don't let other guys get away with. And I've seen, you know, that kind of happen in rooms before too, where, you know, the best guy in the team can get away with it, but you shouldn't be doing that. Don't do that. You know? And, uh, and I'm not like that at all. I'm across the board the same way. If the best guy is making a mistake, I'm going to call him out. If the worst guy in the team is making a mistake, I'm going to call him out too. And, um, but yeah, it's such a, and it's such a, uh, uh, what's the word, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's just, yeah. it's hard to say that any kid is the worst kid on the team because, or the best kid on the team because it's so, uh, open, you know, right. and, uh, there's verse with the different abilities of, of all your athletes. Um, it, it, it just made me think about how, like, you know, I've coached for, a, for a while and it's always nice to hear back from your, from the kids that you coached and, how much of an impact that you've made on their life. In fact, one of my, one of my former athletes next weekend, uh, you might Jake Allery. Um, oh yeah. He, um, we actually, he works for, uh, he works in Grand Rapids and I'm going to be in Grand Rapids. So we're going to get together and it's nice to be like, Hey, um, you know, I'm going to be in town. Let's get together, have a dinner, ask how your life's doing. Uh, Cody Oaks was another one of my wrestlers who actually came earlier this year to visit us and he, he just got married. And um, it, it's yeah. nice to see because, because those kids become, these kids they become your children you know I'm, I'm at the age where i have children now but they they become like your your children like i spend a lot of time with those athletes um to the point where i feel like my daughters have bigger brothers and one sister you know <laughs> that we talked about earlier with lydia roop and all that but yeah. um just seeing the them grow and, be, and and the older they get you know, they start to get families and, and, and they're being great professionals and great people. Like that's, that's what you're in it for in the sport. And, and at the end of the day, I think a lot of coaches, I shouldn't say a lot, but that should be your main focus is making better people. Absolutely. Like at the end of the day, that's, that's the best thing to do is to make better people. If you're in it for the wins and losses or to be a state championship coach, then I think you're in it for the wrong reasons. Like if those things happen, that's great. If you're pushing towards a goal, that's great. But, 20 years from now, people aren't going to remember that state title. They're going to remember how you treated them um, at that practice or when you celebrated their birthday, you know, or when you yep. picked them up because one of their family members passed away. You were there for them. They're going to remember that more than any championship that they won. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, it's important to have that bond with your wrestlers, too, like that family aspect where, like, they feel like they can come and talk to you about something tough that's mm -hmm. happening in their life, you know? And, um, I, I, we just do a really good job at like kind of building that family aspect and having the camaraderie at Frank Muth. And, um, you know, I, I just remember having that over at Caro and not all programs have that camaraderie and that right. family mindset. And so it's just like, you got to preach it, you know, I think as a head coach, uh, you know, your, your main goal, um, you know, for you guys that are out there, like looking at, you know, possibly getting into being a head coach, um, you just got to talk about it, the talk about your vision constantly, you know, where's the program going? What's the goals? Like your athletes, your parents, your coaches, they all need to be on the same board and they need to know where the ship's going. And if you can do that consistently and often, um, 
your program is going to grow and people are going to want to be involved with what you have going on, but you have to have a goal and you got to make sure that everyone's on board and everyone knows what it is and that you constantly repeat yourself. And, um, you know, you can't keep changing it up. You know, you got to have like, just like a set, you know, clear and concise, short and sweet, um, you know, what the plan is, what the goal is, where the team's going and just put it out there and be consistent with what you're saying, you know? Um, yeah, it's in, but yeah, we had such a great banquet and we do things with our kids all the time. I think that there's a lot of the team building, um, exercises that kind of just go off the wayside for some teams, right. um, but you got to have fun times with them, you know? So maybe you go zip lining for a day mm-hmm. with the entire team and you take them out zip lining or, or maybe you go to splash village or maybe you take a trip to go watch wrestling and make it fun. Um, you, you got to make it fun for them on, at all levels. And, and, uh, one of the big things that, that coach Bishop was talking with you about on the podcast that you had with him that I really liked. Um, and I just got done watching, um, RJ Boudreau talk about it because I've been following him and kind of trying to learn from him. Um, real quick, that's another note, you know, when you're a coach, like you never stop learning, you know, constantly be watching successful coaches to define your style and, you know, see what they're doing and try to apply it to, to your, your style and the way you do things. But yeah, I was watching um, RJ Boudreaux and coach Bishop that what he talked about with you was the little arrows or the mighty arrows over at right. high right. school. Um, that's such a great program, you know, where they just have the couple, like, you know, the four through six, I believe it is, or four through yeah seven four six um they come out and they have them wrestle for two weeks and they have a few practices and then they get to wrestle that that mighty arrow wrestling match at the end yeah those couple weeks and and uh, that's what's going to keep those kids in the sport that's what's going to keep them coming back you know you got to make it fun for those kids if you're trying to teach kids at that age how to do a single leg uh you know or a uh like a single vine tilt or whatever the case might be, you're, you're not going to have a good time. You just got to keep those kids involved and, and keep them having fun when they step foot on the mat. You know, if those kids aren't having fun when they step foot on the mat, well, guess what? When they get older, um, they're not going to be back in your room. And so right. you always got to make it fun. And then even past, uh, you know, four through six, um, you got to continuously make it fun all the way up through club for them. Otherwise they're just not going to be there. Uh, when it matters and the, in the main goal for any wrestler, um, I think in, in the club program is, is high school and then potentially college, right? Like those are the main goals. And so if they drop out before they even get there, you know, everything that you did, uh, for them, we just, it wasn't worth it. You know, you didn't, um, and and that's like, I think in another big thing that RJ Boudreaux talks about and something that we're going to try to start doing over at, uh, you know, maybe start looking into doing over at Frankmuth was, he talks about how duels are so important and he'll just have like a few duels a year for his club teams. And then they also go to the regional and the state tournament and they maybe have to get another tournament in in order to qualify for that. But they don't go to tournaments, individual tournaments every week. Like a lot of programs do a lot of clubs do because he wants to kind of shield them from that negative tournament aspect that kind of comes into play. Um, You know, like we've all seen those parents, um, that live uh, vicariously through their kids, you know, mm. and uh, they, and it's sad. Um, and I don't think that they always, I don't, I don't think they ever really mean to do it, but it can make a bad name for the sport when you're yelling at your kid after every single match, it's going to make them grow up presenting you. It's going to make them grow up presenting wrestling. Right. And it's just not going to be good for anyone no. at the end of the day. So that's the one thing that I really, well, not the one thing, 
there's many things, but that's <laughs> one of the main things that I really appreciated about my dad growing up was even though I was a horrible youth wrestler, I wasn't winning any MMWA state titles or even making it to the MMWA state tournament. Um, you know, he never got mad at me. I'd show up, I'd go right to my back every tournament, but <laughs> he was never mad at me. He always kept encouraging me, pushing me along. And ultimately that made me stay in the sport and it made me a better wrestler because of it. You know, when you've experienced so much loss and you keep persevering and sticking through it, um, you know, you're going to be better at the end of the tunnel when you come to it. Some people just come into it naturally and they have all this success. And that's, I think, harder to refine um, because then you got to teach them how to deal with loss um, when they get there. I was lucky enough where I got to experience all my loss early on. And then um, I, I just, you know, I had losses in high school too, but I mean, yeah. I, it was easier for me to handle them because I've been there so many times, you know, Correct. but uh, well, coach lay, I want to say, thank I, I didn't mean to cut you off. You had, no. you've said a lot of, a <laughs> lot of great stuff here. Um, you are mature beyond your, your young years. So uh, hats off to you and, and your parents and how they, how they raised you and everything else. And you're doing some amazing things. And I know that the Frankenmuth Eagles are lucky to have you. And they are going to take flight in the next few years. And you'll be that program will be one to look out for coming up soon. So appreciate having you on the show and good luck to you the rest of your career. I really like that analogy, coach. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Coach T podcast by my dad.